The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Good morning. Roto experts. To the end zone. It's The mark of fantasy excellence. You have to be careful about who you think is stepping forward on the depth chart. It's caught for a touchdown. We're here to help you win your leagues and win that cash. You are now tuned in to the Roto Experts in the morning. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. Shine fantasy players. It is a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Monday, November 12th. Happy Veterans Day to all, and let's cock a doodle do it. This is Roto Experts in the Morning, right here on the award winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I'm your host, Dane Martinez. They call me Speeds the Spitting Statistician. And as always, I am overjoyed to be joined. By my man, FSWA Hall of Famer, El Rey de Fantasia, the king, Scott Angle. Scotty, how you feeling after week 10? The playoff push is upon us. Yeah, you know, it's uh, trading deadlines are you know, about to get knocked down here. So if you got to make a move, you have to make a move. You know, it's time to, uh, you know, to get ready for some heavy roster management, especially with six teams on a bye in week 11. Absolutely. That is one of the big bye weeks. We've been talking about it. Week 11, we'll have six teams on a bye. But before we get to that, let's finish off week 10. First of all, week 10 will conclude tonight with the Giants and the 49ers over there in the Bay. We'll give you our thoughts on that game as we close out the show. But Scotty, First of all, let's let's talk injuries real quick, okay? Because there wasn't a ton of injuries, but I want to go back even towards, uh, you know, last time we spoke on Friday morning. I mean, the biggest one that I see, I think there's three that are big to me. One is Cooper Cup. Uh, Scotty, the Rams do, in fact, get another win uh, against Seattle in a hard-fought game. You're absolutely right to take the 10 points there, but it looks like Cooper Cup could be done for a while. I mean, he defeated the cart earlier on this season, but it looks like the cart got their revenge, uh, non-contact knee injury for Cooper Cup, which is never good. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it didn't look good, and afterwards mm-hmm. uh, McVeigh says it doesn't look good. Uh, we do have to wait for the final reports, but this is the second time the Cups went down this year, and again, you, gotta, you have to plan for depth down the stretch. It's, uh, you know, I was talking about it with Jim Day 
uh, last night. A lot of people, when they have really good depth on their fantasy team, they want to make a trade just for the trade heck of trading. Right. If your starting lineup is really solid throughout, there's no need to upgrade from, say, Devontae Adams to Michael Thomas and get rid of somebody off your bench that could really mm-hmm. step forward and do a nice job for you and f- comfortably fill a starting spot if there's an injury. You, you shouldn't just say, okay, uh, I have really good depth. I want to trade somebody. Yeah, make a trade when you have to make a trade. You know, don't do it just for the heck of it. You know, one of my teams right now, I, I have Patrick Mahomes and Andrew Luck. You know, I'll I'll keep mm-hmm. Andrew Luck if nobody wants Absolutely. him. I found that nobody wanted him because I did need some wide receiver help, but then I was able to bolster it, you know, off the waiver wire a few weeks ago. So now I'm not actively looking to shop Luck. It's hard it's hard to move a quarterback anyway. But look, Mahomes is out in week 12. I'll take Andrew Luck as his fill-in. And if Mahomes goes down, God forbid, you know, I don't have uh, you know, a heavy drop-off at the position. No, absolutely. Listen, you know, I understand this is a kind of an interesting time of year because in the playoffs, I completely agree with the former. Like you're trying to do everything you can to get your best possible lineup for those two or three weeks, right? You're handcuffing people, you're casting aside your wide receiver six, things of that nature. But for this stretch run, your depth is going to be tested. We talked about six teams on a bye next week and people are going to sustain late season injuries and you need that in order to uh, keep it going. I had a similar situation, Scott, on one of my teams and uh, part of my depth that I inserted yesterday was our boy carry on johnson which wound up working out very very well for me all the way back to friday though scott you know we we talked about des bryant who signed with the saints people were all excited what role was he going to fill and then on friday on the last play of practice it looks like he tears his achilles he is done for the year we hardly even knew you des in new orleans i guess the question i have for you because listen the saints still put up 51 points you know i guess my question for you is does this is this the end of Dez? Is this the end of Dez's career? He's now in the same kind of vein as Ted Ginn, right? Who's also on IR for this team, coming back in his thirties. I don't think you know. I'm the one to predict whether his career is over or not. Okay. Uh, he, he, how will he heal from it? Uh, some people term Dez as old, but he's thirty years old. That's not old for a wide receiver. Although he certainly did look older, uh, you know, when uh, sure. you know, during his last two years. It's it's what we've talked about before, and I spoke to you know people at Inside Injuries over the weekend, and when a guy holds out, missed that much time, he becomes an injury risk, and they confirmed that for me. You know, I asked them about it, and they said because he didn't have all of training camp and he missed nine weeks, mm-hmm. his body was not used to that explosive sort of regimen right. that he faces in practice, and that would always expose a guy to a freak injury. So you know, reports are that he. he I've seen some reports that maybe he could be ready for next season. So I don't think we can say his career is over. Uh, As we know, the Achilles is really tough. That would just be speculating, though. The Achilles is a really tough injury for people to come back from. We've seen that in a lot of places. Um, But, yes, you're absolutely right. We're not asking to speculate. At the same time, here's here's what I thought. You want to know the first, because I agree with exactly what you said. You know, people were hitting me on social media before he went down and were asking about picking up Dez. And I was on some like, uh, let me take the wait and see approach, you know, because he still needed to learn the scheme. And I kept on telling people, and I think this is what you're saying, Scott, he still needed to get into quote unquote football shape, right? That's what you mean? Like, even though he may be in good shape, he may be working out, it's different than the kind of explosive nature of practice or an actual NFL game. Yeah, it's, it's just, it's a, it's a different regimen, yeah. 
Yep. So here's what I'm asking. Here's what I think. I don't know. Maybe your mind went here too. But when I heard Dez, uh, you know, injured himself after the first practice, after being away from football for nine months, you know where my mind went, Scotty? Where? My my mind went to Le'Veon Bell. You know, does does do you think on any in any way seeing Dez come on back and then actually get hurt in his first practice, like you said, not being in football shape, all this stuff? This is exactly what Le'Veon Bell is looking to avoid, right? The whole reason he was holding out and all this stuff was to not have the wear and tear on his body, not risk any kind of injury that would compromise his value as he goes into free agency. Like that was the whole part of you know a very big part of the reason that he holds out. There's talk about him coming back, maybe into the building. We've heard conflicting reports. Schefter's reporting, no, he's going to sit all out. You know, Art Rooney went on the show last week saying they expect him back. I wonder this, Scott, do you think seeing Dez go down after not being there for nine months, all that stuff right away, might that impact Le'Veon Bell's thinking you know, as well. I mean, he's been working out, playing basketball down in Miami. But, you know, there's a non-zero chance that if he walked back into the building in Pittsburgh, he would sustain some kind of injury as well as he got into, quote-unquote, football shape, you know, getting him ready. So do you think seeing what happened with Dez and the kind of injury of not being ready to go, do you think that impacts Le'Veon Bell at all this week? I don't I don't think it directly impacted Le'Veon Bell where he said – Okay, Dez got injured. I'm sitting, I'm sitting out. I think it was right. probably a consideration for him before this happened, you know, because we've huh. seen a history of it. You know, Earl Thomas missed Earl all of the preseason, and then he, he suffered hurt. a yep. season-ending injury as well. So that there's a history of it dating back to, I think, right. Dorsey Levins when he was with the Packers. So I'm sure it was a consideration for camp, and when it happened with Dez, he's like, well, you know, that's, that's what we were thinking anyway. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Like, if I was Lev, honestly, if I was Lev and I saw that happen to Dez, I'd be like, oh, wait a second. That's the exact thing that I'm risking by coming back. But as you know, Adam Schefter is now reporting that they actually do not believe that Le'Veon Bell is going to come back tomorrow is pretty much the deadline for him to get that service credit. But most people have figured out now in the last week or so that if he does not come back, the Steelers would probably opt to not tag him again because that would be the quarterback number. So it looks like if Lev does in fact stay away, that he's going to wind up being a free agent next season, next March, and he'll get his money. Some team will back up the Brinks truck for uh, Le'Veon Bell. Is that the way you think it plays out right now, that he's uh, he's just going to sit this one out? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the thing. We've been we'll guessing all hours. along <laughs> since the preseason. We thought Earl Thomas was going to hold out, was going to hold out forever, and Bell was going to report. I, right. I don't. I don't want to make wild guesses because it doesn't help anybody. We've started in the last few days. He's going to be back Tuesday. Then a day later, we hear that he's not going to be back. You know, it's right. it's from a fantasy owner's perspective. You just don't want any part of Le'Veon Bell. And if you own James Conner like you do, Dane, you're just yep. like, well, I, I guess I hope he doesn't report. Uh, then the injury thing was probably something he had in mind, and him and Camp had in mind the longer they held out that they mm-hmm. knew that he could be an injury risk. And uh, I don't know if he looked at it, Dez, and said, well, okay, I'm going I'm to sit out now. It wasn't a, a direct reaction to what happened with Dez, but the, it only confirmed what his camp was right. probably already thinking. 
Yeah, I'm not saying that there was like a direct correlation, right? But yeah. he saw right in front of himself what would be his doomsday scenario. You know what I mean? Like, and it does happen. And it was reminder kind of thing that like it can happen to anybody if he were to come back, walk in that building on Tuesday, and in practice, you know, pop an Achilles, tear an ACL, something like that. That is his doomsday scenario because then he is not ready to go for free agency. He is a recovering asset as opposed to the healthy 100% asset, which is what he's been angling for this entire time. You're absolutely right, Scotty. I do own James Conner. And to be quite honest, in a lot of places, I own both Bell and Conner. So I was a little bit worried about this week because I was worried that all of a sudden I got two RB2 or flex plays on my hand instead of like a top five running back like I had in James Conner. If Bell doesn't come back, I'll be riding Conner as my RB1 in a number of leagues for the duration of the season. But just to put a recap on some injuries, we talked about Cooper Cup, Des Bryant as the big ones. Conner himself in the concussion protocol. Martavis Bryant with a knee. Jakeem Grant with an Achilles as well. Julian Edelman with a foot. What were some of the bigger injuries that you saw yesterday that should be on fantasy players' radar outside the ones we've talked about? Obviously, Cooper Cup, but I'm intrigued by James Conner in the protocol. Jakeem Grant, people have used Julian Edelman and others. What What's on your radar injury-wise, Scotty? I think there weren't that many major ones really yesterday. Right. Jakeem Grant certainly wasn't a major one. Uh, I know you're being a completist there, but uh, you know uh, some it's, people it's, have used him. He had some weeks where he had like big old games, and people were talking about him on the waiver wire. Scott, I don't like him, but I mean he was owned in some leagues. Well, he had he had one big game really all year long, yep. and you know really hasn't done anything since then. It's you know he's not widely owned, so I, I don't think people sure. are very much concerned about that. With Connor, you know it's the thing that you got, and you want to have these guys on your roster anyway. Uh, you know, now that we now that we're getting closer to the playoffs, cut off the dead wood that you're never going to start. And if Le'Veon right. Bell doesn't report, Jalen Samuels is the handcuff to uh, to James Connor. Absolutely. Very interesting to know. What about these Oakland wide receivers? I saw Jordy Nelson go off, Martavis Bryant go off. Listen, Scott, I know that the Raiders are a dumpster fire. They reconfirmed that for me against the Chargers uh, yesterday, putting up only six points. I told you about that Chargers defense, by the way, Scotty. They helped me uh, with 15 points, at least in my scoring settings. But um, Oakland wideout, is that going to be interesting moving forward? Might there be an opportunity for a next man up kind of situation there? Seth Roberts or someone like that? It looks like Martavis Bryant and Jordy Nelson got banged up. It, it doesn't matter from a fantasy perspective. If you're a Raiders okay. fan, you know maybe Brandon LaFell steps up. Mm. Uh, Seth Roberts, we don't know what he could do with opportunity. But there, there's absolutely nothing to see here from a fantasy perspective, even if you play in a 14-team league. Fair enough. Any concern with, any concern with Julian Edelman, who left early? It says it's a foot. Like, he is a big piece of the Patriots' offense, even though, you know, Josh Gordon uh, is growing there. Yeah, uh, they were saying after the game that they don't expect it to be too serious, but we have to wait for the tests and things to come in. A lot of times fantasy players will be impatient with stuff like this. They'll want an answer right, right. away. But injuries are not fast food. 
Absolutely. And remember also, as it relates to the New England Patriots, they are on a bye next week, so Edelman will have extra time. Remember, they've been hoping for Gronk to have a little bit of extra time. It should help Sony Michelle as well. Sony Michelle only 11 carries for 31 yards. He uh, did not get involved in the passing game. So if you went right back to Sony Michelle, it may have been a little disappointing. Let's talk about this game, though, before we go to break. Scotty, the Tennessee Titans get a W 34 to 10 and what most people would have to say was the most shocking result of yesterday. Um, how'd they do this, Scott? You know, Corey Davis coming out seven catches, 125 yards and a touchdown. Marcus Mariota getting two touchdowns, running the ball a little bit as well. Balance, though, I saw here. Listen, Henry with 58 yards, Lewis with 57 yards on the ground. Deion Lewis with a big quote unquote revenge game. He touches the ball 22 times. What parts of the Titans offense were you most impressed by here? Marcus Mariota played another solid game. You know, ESPN was reporting that, you know, throughout the season he's get he's gotten a better relationship with his offensive coordinator and it it's start it's starting to show. He spread the ball around a lot, used his mobility, etc. Uh you know, hit many different receivers. The running game was diverse. You know, Derrick Henry's become this new Garrett Blunt here, you know, where he scored in three straight games, but he doesn't do anything else. And, you know, the defense has played really, really well in recent weeks. And uh, was having this discussion right now. You got, you got, you have to. Uh, I was having the discussion with with Jim Day. You got to strip, strip the names off the back of the jerseys right now. Tom Brady is not playing mm. like a starting fantasy quarterback in the last five weeks. In week in week six, one touchdown pass. In week eight, no, no touchdown pass. In week nine, one. In week in week ten, zero. And. Uh, you know he's hit he's hit to 300 yards twice in the last 5 weeks but the numbers just aren't there it's like in his last 3 games he hasn't come anywhere close to hitting the 20 point mark and uh there was there was uh there was a game back in week 4 where he failed to week week 3 and 4 if you look at the overalls i think he's like fantasy qb 16 right now you know, you strip the name off the back of the jersey i think you'd rather be starting Mitch Trubisky every week rather than Tom Brady Another reason, Scott, why we said at the beginning of the season to wait, wait, wait on quarterback. You mentioned guys like Mitchell Trubisky that are having much stronger seasons. And uh, there's some people out there, though, you know it, Scott, that invested, oh, I don't know, a third, a fourth, a fifth round pick on Tom Brady. And the return just hasn't been here. Let me ask you this, though, Scotty. They do, like we said, they have a bye in week 11. How much do you think this is tied to Rob Gronkowski either not being in the lineup or being kind of on a pitch count or on a decoy? Do you think Brady returns to his touchdown form with Gronk back in the lineup? That's the question I'm going to ask you when we come back from break, and then we'll start to dive in to all these games yesterday we'll tell you what we take away what is a trend you can believe in and what was just a one week crazy something to forget about it's dane and scott right here off and running roto experts in the morning on the award-winning fantasy sports radio network we dig into these week 10 games when we come back the Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only place to go for 24-7 fantasy sports advice. Once you download the FNTSY Sports Radio app, you'll get the most accurate experts and most entertaining programming in the fantasy sports world. Listen to great shows like Fantasy Football Frenzy. There you go right there, Goon Squad. Game Time Decisions. Good teams win, great teams cover. Fantasy Freestyle. You know what it is. And plenty more. Boo! 
Download the FNTSY Sports Radio app on your iPhone and Android devices now and take the best fantasy sports talk wherever life leads you. Welcome back. Roto experts in the morning right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Dane Martinez and the King Scott Engel taking you through all the Week 10 games, what happened, what to take away, and how to help it make your fantasy leagues win those leagues and win that cash. also want to let people know that they can go on over to rotoexperts.com and get the Roto Experts exclusive edge in-season fantasy package. Enter the promo code THEKING at checkout if you are, you know, going to be 5-5 five and five coming after today. You need to make a final push, and the Roto Experts exclusive edge in-season fantasy football package is the way to go. Scotty, we were talking about Tom Brady uh, before we went to break. Listen, he went 21-41, of 41, 254%, a 50% completion percentage, you know, just over that. That's what we see out of Cam Newton, not out of Tom Brady usually. He hasn't scored touchdowns in a couple of games recently, but the question I asked you, Scotty, before we had break is, how much of this ties into Rob Gronkowski and what he does for that offense? You know, Gronk has been out, I think, two of the last three games, been something of a decoy otherwise. You mentioned Tom Brady's QB6. Rob Gronkowski is something like tight outside of the top 12 and tight end as well. How much of this is all tied to Gronk? On the surface, that would be seem to be the case, but I don't think it is. Ultimately, Gronk played every one of the first six games and in weeks four and five. Uh, you know, Brady did on weeks three and four, Brady didn't perform too well. He was also there in week eight, and Brady didn't throw a single touchdown pass, you know, because he does command defensive respect. And Brady's been without Gronk in his career before, and he's still got Josh Gordon. He's still got Julian Edelman. He's still got James White. You know, in the past, Brady would always find a way to adjust, and, you know, it's, it's just not happening this year. I mean, he is 41 years old. How much does that have to do with it? I mean, let's not get it twisted. The man is 41. Maybe he can't do everything he used to be able to do. He's had some good games this this year as well. Uh, you know, it hasn't been all bad. It's just, you know, he's not performing like a league fantasy quarterback. And Brady still has the talent to rebound at any time. It's just, you know, the passing game is just not as fearsome right now as it used to be. Uh, you know, just from... Uh, or productive, I wouldn't say fearsome because you know he can still pick his spots and be efficient. It's just not as productive anymore, fantasy wise. You know he got totally shut down out of the touchdown department by Buffalo and Tennessee the last two weeks, uh, two of the last three weeks. So uh, you know, I think you're grasping at straws, really. You know, although I hate to use a cliche, to figure out what's going on here. But you know, the the, the playmakers are there. You know, the offense it just it isn't as potent as it was. In previous years, now week weeks four and weeks uh, weeks four and five, he had two consecutive games and three touchdown passes. But it's pretty much, and then he had in week seven. But for the last five weeks, you know, he's he's hit he's hit a quiet spell, and we saw this last year at the start of last season too. So you know, the only thing I can really pick up though is that Brady's kind of streaky and less consistent than he used to be. You can pick it up later in the year. Uh, I can't say he stunk for the full year because, you know, his game log clearly indicates that he hasn't. But, you know, he's just not the elite passer. And then you look at Aaron Rodgers, too. Aaron Rodgers is not putting up the kind of numbers that we expected either. He's still a QB1. But, you know, with, with Aaron Rodgers, some of these offenses, they're just not, 
they're not putting up the kind of numbers that we expect. Yeah, absolutely. And listen, that's why we say it, Scott, every single year, wait on quarterback. However, when it's all said and done, Scott, the Patriots, even though they fall, they fall to 7-3. and three. And I look at their schedule, Scott, there's six games left. Four of them are against their opponents in the AFC East. You know, they still have the Jets twice. All right. They still have Buffalo at home. And they have Miami as well. So, you know, outside of their games, they got two kind of uh, tests, I would say, left on their schedule. They have Minnesota in week 13, and then a game that everybody has circled, a rematch of the Jesse James game at Pittsburgh in week 15. But, you know, you got to still be able to pencil in the Patriots for 4-2 and two at the worst, even if they lose to Minnesota, and that would get them 11-5. and five. That would certainly get them the AFC East crown. So while we're talking about the Patriots, that you know, things will mostly be okay for New England. You know what's interesting to me, Scotty, though? You mentioned that you would rather have Mitchell Trubisky than Tom Brady right now, and the Bears put up 34 points against the Detroit Lions. They go to 6-3 and three on the season. They beat Detroit, knocking them all the way back down, pretty much out of contention. And Mitchell Trubisky, to your point, 23 of 30, 355 yards, three touchdowns, and no interceptions. Uh, Scotty, are the Bears now a passing offense? I think they were. They they pretty much have been, uh, you know, since we since their fourth game of the season. Uh, you know, the guy's three hundred three 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 hundred yard games in his last five, and during that stretch, you know, he hasn't thrown uh, less than two touchdown passes a game just once. He's got the rushing yardage. You're not getting a lot of rushing yardage from Jordan Howard. And yeah. uh, he's completely touchdown dependent. You can't depend on Tariq Cohen, you know. So this this mm-hmm. offense is turning out to be exactly what we thought it might be when when Matt, uh, Nagy. When, when Matt Nagy came over, and uh, you know he's looking like this year's Jared Goff. Yep, absolutely. To your point, Scotty, if I add up Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen in the rushing game combined, they combine for 18 carries. They combine for 36 yards. Okay, they're combining for two yards per carry, yet the Bears are putting up 34 points anyway. Um, if anybody was listening to us on Friday, they would know that the spitting statisticians got out to a big lead on Scotty Angle riding big been on Thursday night football, but I'm here to tell you and humbly admit it was not enough to knock off the king. All right. However, one guy I did have on my bench that I want to ask you about, Scotty, is Allen Robinson. Uh, Six catches, 133 yards, two touchdowns. Robinson has been a little bit banged up throughout the season, as we know. But you think, is this what they had in mind when they signed him to be that outside ex-wide receiver? Talk to me a little bit about Allen Robinson, especially now if the Bears are going to be a passing kind of offense. If Allen Robinson is healthy from here on out, what kind of level do you peg, peg AR at? He's got to be a, a solid wide receiver, too. If if he's in a Bears offense like this and he's healthy, uh, I would say wide receiver three, because okay. before he went before he went down, uh, you know he had he had two games over fifteen points, but yeah. then, he, then he had like he had a few games under that. It's and he had a really nice game against Miami in Week Six, uh, and obviously the best performance as a Bear. So I think he's a wide receiver three with wide receiver two upside. 
you know, okay. I'd like to see him build on this performance against Minnesota and Detroit over the next two weeks. The potential is definitely there to be a nice wide receiver too, but I think it has to be earned. And uh, to your point about how our game worked out, I think it's a prime shining example of about – you know, you can never assume anything on a Thursday night like we already talked about. Roethlisberger got you over 45 points, yep. but yet that still didn't decide the game. Absolutely true. That is absolutely true, Scott. That is why I measured my uh, expectations or my responses on Thursday or on Friday's show because I knew it was not over. I got 49 out of Big Ben. Perfectly. But- but ultimately, Scotty still gets the W. I, I hear you, Allen Robinson is maybe a three now with the potential to continue to grow. Help me figure out, though, this offense, Scotty. Because um, now all of a sudden, and to be quite honest, Scott, I was down on Jordan Howard all season long. And I said because of this exact reason that now he looks around and there's much more dynamic offense uh, options for this offense. You know, in the last couple of years, Jordan Howard was really all that was there. Now he looks around and there's Allen Robinson there. He looks around, there's Trey Burton there. He looks around, there's Tyler Gabriel, there's Anthony Miller, there's still Tariq Cohen. Talk to me about the pecking order of this Bears offense when everyone's healthy. Like, the Bears are 6-3. and three. We got to consider them a playoff team right now. What what do they want their team to look like in the playoffs? Is AR their their number one? They utilize their tight end a lot, like some of these other offenses, the Peterson and the and you know and, and Andy Reid. But they're still Gabriel. They're still Miller. You know, they're still Cohen. How does this team wanna have the the puzzle pieces positioned? Well, before before Trubisky showed up, really. Uh, before Matt Nagy th- showed up, this was a different team. They would lean heavily on the running game and, you know, feed Jordan Howard a lot. And right. Tariq Cohen was not even involved. And, you know, it was more like a run-first sort of offense because that's, like you said, that's all they really had. You know, now it's right. Allen Robinson is clearly the number one. Uh, you know, Trey Burton certainly gets involved. He's touchdown dependent somewhat. Anthony Miller, uh, two of the last three games he's scored – So I think he's in the mix as well. It's really about Tariq Cohen can both run it and catch it. And uh, Jordan Howard is the goal line finisher very often, although it was Cohen yesterday. I think the one guy that's really not figuring in, though, is is Taylor Gabriel. You know, he's really, really fallen off. Uh, He was banged up uh, for a few games, but now he's he's healthy, and he's still not doing anything. So uh, I think Taylor Gabriel's starting to fall out of the mix here. You think Anthony Miller is a waiver wire ad? I think. uh, Are there too many other people there? You know? Well, you know, 122 yard game with a touchdown. And, you know, that's the reason why they drafted this kid. And he scored two weeks ago as well. Uh, I think think somebody you have to take a flyer on if you need some wide receiver depth for the playoffs. All right, let's talk about this other side of things. You know, Detroit does score 22 points here, and I got to tell you something. I'm trying to see what is this Lions offense like without Golden Tate, and you, you see Theo Riddick yet again in the passing game. He gets another six catches. He gets 60 yards. They're utilizing him, but this is also clearing the way. We talked about how they want it to be a little bit more balanced. Stafford throws the ball 42 times, so it's not that much balance, but carry on Johnson, I think, continues to be 
be a factor. 14 carries, 51 yards, and a touchdown in the ground game. But, and here's what I think is important, we're starting to see Kerryon Johnson in the passing game as well. Six catches, another 38 yards, and a touchdown. So if you put it together in PPR formats, Kerryon Johnson gets you, oh, in essence, 90 yards with six catches and a touchdown, over 20 points in PPR scoring. You gotta like that. And I think, honestly, Scotty, we're gonna see the Lions with Kerryon Johnson and Theo Riddick on the field at the same time, a bunch moving forward. Yeah, it was a very encouraging performance for Kerryon Johnson. A lot of people worried about the matchup, but he became the first running back to score against the Bears this year, uh, you know, in a very uh, good goal line formation in which they set up all these wide receivers wide and then gave him an inside handoff. Yep. Also caught a touchdown pass. So this is very encouraging. I think by domino effect, it helps Kerryon Johnson because Theo Riddick is now lining up as a slot receiver. And uh, that's exactly. where he's gotten his opportunities the last two weeks. Theo Riddick was really good in 2015, but it was, uh, you know, really overrated and inconsistent uh, for most of the last two and a half years. But this gives him new life. And uh, Marvin Jones did leave this game with a knee injury that some mm-hmm. will have to watch. Kenny Galladay stepped up and put up some really good numbers. But even with yeah. Matthew Stafford throwing 42 times, it was still only 274 passing yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Uh, Stafford is like, you know, I actually cut him in one league this past week and picked up Nick Mullins as a backup because hmm. Stafford's just been a really big disappointment this year. But I think Kerryon Johnson's an every week start now as an RB2. Theo Riddick is relevant as a PPR flex again. Uh, and we'll have, wait, have to wait and see on the Jones injury. Yeah, in essence, I'm glad you said Kerryon Johnson's uh, RB2 week to week moving forward. That's where I was going to try to peg him at as well. And in essence, have they turned to Theo Riddick to replace some of what they got out of Golden Tate in this offense? Yeah, and I think it's a good idea because he's probably a better catch, pass catcher than TJ Jones or anybody else You know that, that they pretty much have. Yeah, Marvin Jones with a knee injury, something to watch. One more game, Scotty, before we hit the break. And, I mean, there's not much to say that you don't know about this team already. I'm talking about the New Orleans Saints, Scott. They put up 51 on Cincinnati. You know, I I was saying on this network last week that I was a little worried that this could be a potential trap game for the Saints coming off their big home win against NFC contender in the Rams this week coming up. They got a home game against what I thought was another NFC contender and the Eagles, but Drew Brees, just another day at the office, 22 of 25 for 265, three touchdowns, only three incompletions. We know about this offense, 104 yards on the ground for Mark Ingram, another two touchdowns for Alvin Kamara. They were joking around and had Taysom Hill in at the game, at the end of the game, Michael Thomas, two touchdowns. Ingram in the pass game gets in. I mean, they don't even need Dez. They didn't even target their young kid, Traquan Smith. Believe me, I know, because it hurt my chances against Scott. Um, Scotty, this offense, you know, now with the Cooper Cup injury, maybe the most potent in the NFC, right? It's got to be Saints and, and Chiefs are the two most important uh, potent offenses in the NFL, right? Even even with the you know Cooper Cup healthy. Uh, mm. You know, you may have to look at them as the number one team in the NFC right now. Uh, I, I don't totally trust their defense, but then again, you know, it don't matter if they're right putting up now, 51 you can't, points. You can't trust anybody's defense. You know, we, we, <laughs> we've talked about 51, that. It don't matter. We've we've, we've we've talked about that. You know, the thing with the Saints is, you know, you're talking trap game. If you want to be a real Super Bowl team and an elite team, you know, you don't get bit. You gotta by win a trap these games. Game. 
So yep. you, you win these games. You beat who you're supposed to beat. Beat them soundly like this. And this was a team that you know was coming in five and three. You know, it wasn't like they were playing like uh, I hate to say this to you, but you know, it wasn't like they were playing the Jets and laid this on them. You know, necessarily. <laughs> oh but no, the, the, you know, the Cincinnati they, Bengals were at home and at five and three needed this win to hang on to their own division race. This was a quality team that just got beat resoundingly at their home place. Yeah, and uh, you know, if you remember, when we were talking in the preseason. Everybody was talking about their Super Bowl picks or their conference champions. I said, don't forget the Saints. Absolutely. Don't forget the Saints because a lot of people were forgetting the Saints. You know, Drew Brees is putting himself deeper into history. Uh, you know, Michael Thomas is having a superb year right now. Uh, both running backs are viable. Although Ingram, from week to week, you don't know what his floor is. Kamara's just been a complete scoring machine and pretty much replicating what he does last year in terms of efficiency yeah. to a certain degree. But uh, the disturbing thing from a fantasy perspective is, is that you can't really count on anybody else. But then it's also a good thing on the flip side because you know that if you have right. Kamara, it's not if the you herd. have Michael right. Thomas, it's, it's not a herd. You count on those two guys. Right. And then Kamara, Thomas, and then Ingram. Right. Mark Ingram will probably be a flex for you or a bi-week plugger. Uh, you just, he's not going to get the volume over Kamara. But you know Ben That's Watson, it. you can't trust him. Trey Quan Smith, mm-hmm. you can't trust him. It's true. Like with the Rams, let's say, there's Gurley and all three wide receivers, right? With the Saints, there's fewer options. Like you said, the Watsons, the Traquan Smith, they're a different tier. So you know with Kamara, you know with Thomas, you're getting elite stud play. You know with Ingram, what I'd say is you're getting solid RB2 numbers, let's say, Scotty, you know? And so the roles are more clear, the production is more stable, and you know that with Drew Brees, in my opinion, you are getting the play out of the MVP of the NFL. I would love to see Drew Brees get MVP consideration this year. I think he deserves it. I think the Saints, especially if teams have to go to New Orleans, could be marching in all the way to February. We'll ask you about the Cincinnati side of this. What does this mean? Because, Scott, we talked about the Patriots without Gronk. We now are looking at the Bengals without A.J. Green. We'll talk about that more on the other side of the break. Fantasy Sports Radio Network. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build and optimize lineups for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Welcome back. Roto Experts in the Morning here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. You got Dane Martinez, the spitting statistician, and the king, Scott Engel, breaking down the Week 10 matchups. We'll be talking about Saints-Bengals and how the Saints are obviously very, very impressive. But I want to spend a minute or two here, Scott, on the other side. Because you made the point. It's not like the Bengals were some doormat either, okay? But... The Bengals were without A.J. Green, and Andy Dalton did not look as good. Only 153 yards in a game where they were down huge in the second half. So you figured there might have been some garbage time production in there. They bring in Jeff Driscoll because it was so out of whack. Um, What does this mean for the Bengals moving forward, Uh, Scotty? I mean, 
Joe Mixon has a nice game. All right. He gets you what? Uh, let's see. He gets you about 80 some odd yards. He gets you a couple ten and uh, a half uh, catches. Points. You know, he gets you double digit points. So it's not the best, but it's not the worst. But my question is, where do they go in the passing game without A.J. Green? We know about Tyler Boyd, but I made that point last week that now does Tyler Boyd have enough to step up and be the number one? I said, I didn't think so. And with three out of three for 65, maybe not. John Ross gets the touchdown. Uzuma doesn't do much. Giovanni Bernard comes on back. Where does this team go to be explosive outside of Joe Mixon now that A.J. Green is gone? There's reports he may try and give it a go next week, but I think this might be a longer-term thing. Yeah, I saw reports that he's already ruled out for next week. So, right. So. Yeah, I don't know if this team can be explosive. It might have to change how they do things. The big problem is on defense. You know, There's already talk of firing the defensive coordinator. And I don't think this team can be explosive enough without A.J. Green. You know, they're going to have to slow things down and depend on the running game. Some play action here. You know, John Ross does have some deep speed. I don't, I'm not convinced after he just had three catches for 65 yards yesterday that Tyler Boyd can step up and be a number one wide receiver for this team right now. I think he might be in over his head. Uzuma has been complete disappointment, and he needs to be cut from fantasy teams. And Andy Dalton, it's just even A.J. Green was there. This is why you can't stand Andy Dalton because he gets a really good matchup, and then he tanks. And, you know, that's always a danger with Andy Dalton, mm-hmm. it's just like he can't. Sometimes he won't take advantage of a good matchup. And Andy Dalton's an erratic quarterback. I don't know if you can look for. You want to look for explosiveness, but I don't know if it's there. And I also think without AJ Green, you know, people always say, "Oh, this team's going to play catch up. They're going to be from behind and they'll pad the numbers." Some teams are not built to play catch up. The Bengals without AJ Green are not built to play catch up. They're going to have to lead heavily on their running game, but you know, not to the point where. You know, opposing defenses are going to load the box. They they have to do enough high percentage wise in the passing game to keep defenses honest and you know take advantage of their best piece on offense because right now this has to become a Joe Mixon team and I think that's something you want to hear as a fantasy owner. Yeah, Joe Mixon is set and primed to uh, have a nice little run here in the playoff push and maybe be a back. Is he a back end RB one for you now week to week? Joe Mixon? No, he he always was an RB one for me week to week. Okay, I had him right. I had him right you, going into this week because remember, okay. you know, outside of like nine running backs, you know, right. there are no true number ones. Just because there's twelve, like I list twelve, doesn't mean the twelve mm-hmm. guys an RB one. There might just be seven or eight RB ones, and then you know there there, there might be like uh, you know sixteen RB twos. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. I think one guy you may have to now put in that conversation as well is someone from the winning team in our next game. Scotty, I am going full chub. 20 carries, 176 yards, and a touchdown out of Nick Chubb. Another three for 33 and a touchdown in the passing game. Over 200, uh, what, 209 scrimmage yards, two touchdowns, three catches. Nick Chubb rewarding fantasy owners. Is he that one? Is he an RB1 for you now moving forward as well? Yeah, you know, I had him ranked like about 10th uh, going right. into this week. Uh, you know, this is why, this is what the Browns saw it, why they traded Carlos Hyde. His 92 yard run was the longest run from scrimmage yep. uh, this Scotty year. Scotty Hansen told me that yesterday. And, uh, and, uh, and also, uh, it was the longest run in Browns history. So, you know, this, this guy is going to continue to get opportunity. 
Uh, they're going to continue to ride him. He even had a receiving touchdown yesterday. They're going to have to lean on their running backs because they don't have a whole lot they can trust in the passing game uh, You know, outside of Jarvis Landry. What a bad game yesterday. By the way, you know, it's like uh, I just switched from DirecTV to Spectrum, and I actually like the oh. Red Zone channel better on Spectrum than I do on DirecTV. Ooh, Scotty Hansen has detractors I like Scotty now. Hansen better, better than, than Siliciano. I'm saying I like I, I like oh, the way you said they you look like around. They, better. I, I like I like this version better because on the direct TV version, yeah. you know they don't whip around to show key completions. They uh, uh, they don't they don't watch instant they, they don't uh they don't right. show, let you watch an instant replay of a touchdown. I like the mm-hmm. way they go back and forth, like you know flipping back and forth instead of putting three or four on the screen. In, uh, right. in at one time, the big thing for me is though it's like, oh, there was just this real fifteen-yard completion that set them up in the twenty-yard line. And, like, I don't get that with the Directv Red Zone. <laughs> All right, well, you know, Scotty giving you his thoughts on the competing Red Zone products as well. Scotty Julio Jones is streaking. That's two touchdowns in two games for Julio Jones, telling people, "Yeah, I can get in the end zone." Seven for one hundred and seven and a touchdown. Austin Hooper gets in again as well. Matt Ryan, even in a loss, though. Listen, he's putting the ball up 52 times. He's going to get some production. 330 yards, two touchdowns. Still a decent game out of Matty Ice, even though they only put up 16 points. Matt Ryan is a top-end QB, and it's nice to see Julio Jones getting in the end zone again. Yeah, both of Julio Jones' touchdowns are on screen passes. So uh, right. I, I guess they have to start working that in more to, into the offense. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but, right. Uh, yeah, Matt Matt Ryan's game of bed was better on paper than it actually looked. Uh, but yeah, Tevin Coleman just a disappointment again. I thought they had figured out something with him against Washington, but yesterday just thirteen carries, uh, eleven carries for forty-four yards and uh, three, three for catches for nineteen yards. Did not get in the end zone. It is a pass-first team, but they're supposed to be the finisher. And uh, the Browns had an NFL high 12 rushing touchdowns allowed, and neither him nor Edo Smith got in the end zone. The Browns' defense played really, really well. Tevin Coleman's been a big disappointment with this opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Maybe it gets a little bit brighter for them when they are back in the dome a little bit more in the second part of the season. I don't know if it does. Not, Not for Coleman. Not not yeah. for Coleman. He's he's been very very disappointing. He said he's he said good good games in set week seven and nine. Uh, outside of that, uh, you know he's he he has he hasn't been over over thirteen points in a PPR in any week. All right, so listen, maybe not. I will say this. A lot of people thought Atlanta was a team who was going to start getting right. You know, a lot of indicators. And even, oh, they they went outdoors and beat Washington, you know, outdoors and stuff like that. They might be getting people back. You know, Deion Jones and others, they got the pass rusher recently. Irvin, I think they just signed. But, no, they went out and laid an egg in Cleveland. Baker getting a W. We'll squeeze in one more game here before the top of the hour, Scott. And remember, a long time ago, Scott, we saw the AFC South differently. You know, and we we were talking about the AFC South. I think you gave me 10 regular season wins. I took Indianapolis and Tennessee. You took Jacksonville and Houston. Well, Houston didn't play, but I got two wins out of my AFC South teams yesterday. You got zero as the Indianapolis Colts squeaked one out 29-26 to against the Jacksonville Jaguars and Scotty, Eric Ebron 
Oh my goodness, he must have won some people weeks. Um, even with Jack Doyle back, and Jack Doyle had three for 36 himself. Eric Ebron, three for 69, two touchdowns receiving, and he had like a tight end jet sweep for another touchdown. Andrew Luck continues to throw touchdowns, another three in this one. The Colts put up 29 against what some people used to think was a good offense. Um production to go around. I think we have another fantasy herd on our hands in Indy, Scott. Andrew Luck has now thrown three touchdowns or more in six straight games, and his, his, his top receivers are clearly mm-hmm. T.Y. Hilton and his tight ends because and the tight ends, Marlon yeah. Mack laid an egg yesterday. Uh, yeah, but hopefully yeah, 12 for 29 on the ground. Yeah, three, three, three good games out of four, though, so I don't know if I'd panic just yet. But, you know, Ebron has eight touchdowns now receiving this year and nine overall. Uh, you know, he is he is Luck's top red zone target, period. Jack Doyle was kind of quiet uh, you know, the, the, this past week. It's interesting because you look at his game log, seven for 60 in week one, uh, two for 20 in week two. And then uh, when he came back, six for 70 and a touchdown in week in week eight. And then in week 10, 3 for 36. So he's alternating good and bad performances. Maybe next week against Tennessee is the charm. But Mo Ali Cox scored for the second uh, game in a row. Uh, it's really you know, the, the tight ends are all viable right now on the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah. The, the Colts scored four touchdowns yesterday. All from their tight ends, three from Ebron and one from Ali Cox. I mean, this, to be honest, Scotty, this to me is pretty much a definition of a fantasy herd, right? They're spreading it around so much. Hilton, 77 yards, Ebron, Dontrell Inman getting involved. The other tight ends you talked about, Doyle and Cox, three catches from Naheem Hines even. So what do you do in this situation? You take the shepherd. The shepherd of the herd is Andrew Luck. And to your point, Andrew Luck has had three or more touchdowns, I believe now in five straight games, Scotty, six. with a four, six straight games with a four touchdown, you know, four touchdowns thrown in there as well. Um, so the Colts are, you know, do the Colts have any potential potential to get on a run here? The AFC South, Scott, is still very up for grabs, you know, um, as we've talked about. Do the Colts have any opportunity to get on a run or Tennessee? I mean, Tennessee now at five wins, Houston at five wins. The Colts are right there as well at four and five. Do you give them any shot? Because I know you've liked their defense streaming at times. Their offense is now humming. What's, what's up? What do you think about the Colts? Well, the line has played well, too. I don't think he's been sacked in his last four games, and that used to be a real big problem right. for, for Andrew Luck. Look, Houston's on fire. You know, they've won six in a row. So, sure. uh, you know, this, this, this division has become a lot more interesting uh, than it was. The Titans are very, very up and down to me. I know yeah. they, they, they've scored an impressive win yesterday, but to me, right now, I think the two best teams in the division are Houston and Indianapolis. Interesting. And my how the mighty have fallen as it relates to Jacksonville in the AFC championship game last year. A lot of people thought they were a team that is primed and ready to go. But the Bortles service continues. Although I will say this, Blake had a decent game, 320 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions on that one. What do you think about Fournette's return? He gets 24 carries, 53 yards, and a touchdown. No real TJ Yeldon, no real Carlos Hyde. Leonard Fournette touches the ball 29 times, two touchdowns, 109 scrimmage yards. Leonard Fournette looks healthy, which is the most important thing. 
let this be a lesson again that not all injury situations are created equal. You know, there are a lot of fantasy players saying, I'm worried that Fournette was going to be on a pitch count. There was absolutely no report of that coming out whatsoever. You know, we've seen that those kind of reports with, like, Dalvin Cook, just because it's for Dalvin Cook doesn't mean it's for Len Fournette. You know, we talked to Dr. A from Inside Injuries on Friday, and he said this guy has rested for six weeks and completely re- uh, reaches optimal recovery time. When a guy comes back from an injury, you can't sit there worried that he's going to be on a pitch count unless you hear that report. And he came in and, you know, he played a full workload. Yep. So would you expect it? Let's play that forward just a little bit. Do you expect the same thing uh, then for Dalvin Cook? For Minnesota moving forward? I don't see Dalvin Cook. Every player is different. I can't say that Leonard Fournette heals the way same same way as Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook looked really good last week on a limited amount of carries. But, you know, as inside injuries, as Dr. A said, they pushed him back too soon. The, the, the Jaguars did not bring Leonard Fournette back too soon. They let him rest for six weeks. All right. There you have it. I want to let people know, Scotty, that, listen, if you enjoy playing DFS but you're sick of dealing with the professionals using algorithms to select hundreds of lineups and entries, try the Props Builder tool over at mybookie.ag. Forget having to create multiple lineups. Ditch the hassle of dealing with late scratches. Avoid experts winning 90% of the money. Invest in the players that you want without salary caps. And if you sign up for a new account using the promo code FNTSY, you'll receive a 50% deposit bonus. No more dealing with the late lineup scratches. No experts to compete against, just you and the prop that you choose. Go to mybookie.ag, enter the promo code FNTSY, and start winning today. For example, Scott, what, are you, what odds do you think I could have got if I made a prop bet and I bet that in week 10, Big Ben Roethlisberger would outrush Cam Newton and Blake Bortles and Andrew Luck. What if I bet that Ben Roethlisberger would have more rushing yards than all three of those quarterbacks? It would have come in for me. You think I could have got a nice little uh, return on that prop bet? People would have said you're crazy, but you also said you were going to be rich, you know, especially like (laughs) this is how unpredictable our game can be. If you told me Nick Mullins was going to outscore Tom Brady in week 10, you know, you you thought. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Remember, like I said, Big Ben, the nimble fleet of foot, Ben Roethlisberger, went three carries for 27 yards, augmenting his huge fantasy day on Thursday. Cam Newton, only two for 10. And then we talk about some of these other quarterbacks who are known for being able to support the run game a little bit. Blake Bortles, only eight yards. Andrew Luck goes for minus two. But that AFC South is very, very interesting. The Texans are hot. The Titans get a big win. I think with the Titans, Scott, they just ugly it up, especially at home. You know, I picked Tennessee plus like six and a half or whatever it was yesterday because they just do it to everybody. They did it to, they did it to Philly earlier in the year. They did it to Jacksonville earlier in the year. It's almost like this team, you know, they say they're not exotic smash mouth anymore, but they pretty much still are, right? They want to play ugly. They want to play this different kind of game that, you know, muddies up the water, and they were able to do that against any opponent, even the New England Patriots. Yeah, I don't know if I'd call them smash mouth. Smash mouth is running the ball and being very physical. That's what they used to be, I'm saying, yeah. That's what they used to be. I don't think they're that anymore. It's I think they're high percentage. I mean, they ran the ball uh, 31 times, Scott, with Henry and Lewis yesterday. Yeah, but Deion Lewis is not a smash mouth player. You know, Derrick Henry is. Derrick Henry is, Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm getting down to the root of the word here. That's just sure, 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 sure. But high percentage, like you have a mobile quarterback who's spreading the ball around a lot. I think there's optimum offensive balance right there, right now, even though it's not explosive. And uh, talk to me about this Tennessee defense real quick before we hit the break. I mean, they are now giving up the fewest points per game in the NFL. Uh, they put they helped the Patriots to ten. Um, I know there's no defenses we really trust, but as I look at Tennessee's schedule, it's not bad. Remember, they got to play these AFC South teams that'll turn the ball over a little bit, sacking Deshaun Watson. Are the Titans maybe? Uh, where do you see them in your defensive ranks? Are they a viable stream moving forward? Are they? I mean, maybe they should be owned, but you like them moving forward defensively? Yeah, I I I have to check out all the numbers tomorrow. Sure. You know, but they've only allowed 18 points a game. But it's not just about points allowed. So right. you know, I got to check. Check that out before I completely rank them tomorrow. All right. Fair enough. Malcolm Butler, uh, you know, Ryan as well, former Patriots. A lot of former Patriots were there getting their revenge on Bill Belichick. We talk about more of these games from week 10, but we turn it around at the top of the hour here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Stick with Dane and Scott. We got another hour for you. <laughs> 